The message you're about to hear is a production of the Word and Sound Ministry of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Throne of Grace, Richmond Hill. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God bless you as you listen to the transforming and inspiring Word of God. God bless you richly in the name of Jesus. Best choir in the whole of duty, according to Pastor. I still need you to back me up. Uh, I need to sing a song, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, let's just go ahead and thank the Lord. Father, we just want to say thank you. As we sing this song, with a grateful heart, I lift my hands. Proclaim me, Lord, you reign. Oh, yeah. With a grateful heart, I leave my hands to you. I am. Proclaim me, Lord, you You are the one that lives and reigns in eternity. 
You are the one that has immortality dwelling in the light and approachable. Who can be likened to you, O God? Age to age, you are still the same. There is no God like you. There is no searching of your understanding. King of kings and the Lord of lords. Ruler of the whole universe. Master of our life. Savior of our soul. Who will not worship a God like you? Who will not honor a God like you? The everlasting God. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. The help of the helpless. The ability of the disabled. The one that ever lives and reigns and rules in eternity. Father, we bow before your presence this day. We adore you. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. That's which only you can do in our midst today. Do, Lord. Let praises rise from our inside this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have praise. Hallelujah. You may be seated in this wonderful presence. Tell your neighbor something good. Don't just take your seats. Bless your neighbor this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7 to 17. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7 to 17. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Amen. A land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and the hills. A land with wheat and barley, wines and fig trees. Pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. Amen. A land where bread will not be scarce, Amen. and you will lack nothing. Amen. A land where the rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. Amen. Notice that copper you are digging, right? It's not on the hills. When you have eaten and you are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving to you these days. Otherwise, when you have, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your heads and floors grow large, and your silver and your gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dead, dreadful wilderness, that tasty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors has never known, to humble and to test you, so that in the end, it might go well with you. Amen. You, may say, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength you know, of my hands have produced this word for me. But remember the Lord your God, for he is who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirm his covenant, which he swore to you, to his ancestors as it is today. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in the name of Jesus. Amen. The topic of my message this morning is practicing gratitude. Say to your neighbor, practicing gratitude. In the Redeemed Christian Church of God worldwide, we have been recently, we just concluded our convention. And the theme for that convention is double portion. 
The theme for the convention you know, was double portion. <clears throat> but the truth of the matter is, your double portion is one gratitude away. Your thanksgiving, your, your double portion is just your thank, a thanksgiving away. Look to your neighbor and say your double portion is one thanksgiving away. Your double portion is just one gratitude away. Now ask your neighbor, are you grateful? So what did your neighbor say? <laughs> you know, all through this month, we, we've been talking about gratitude. And when I was told to you know, talk about Thanksgiving, I'm wondering to myself, what is different? What am I going to say different, you know, from all the things that they've been teaching us from the beginning of the month? It's all been, it's always been about Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. But today, I want to re-emphasize the fact that we need to practice it. Because the Bible says that be not hearers of the word alone, but be ye doers of the word. So it's enough that we've heard so much about Thanksgiving. This morning, I want to stir up your faith. We need to start practicing those things that we have learned in the name of Jesus. Amen. Truth is, gratitude is not natural. You have to practice it. It's not something that just comes naturally. Gratitude without practice is like faith without works. You know, when you practice gratitude, it becomes a habit which you cannot drop. And you know that, of course, a habit is something that you practice all over and over again and you cannot drop it. And that is where God wants us to be. So the big question, are we grateful? Do we have gratitude, you know, as, as our habits? Do we have grateful habits in our lives? That's a big question. From the scripture that we read in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 10, you know, literally Moses was encouraging the children of Israel. You know, they just came out from the land of bondage, land of captivity. So they were beginning to experience God in a new way. They didn't really understand this God. So Moses took his time to explain to them in this scripture what the, the importance of giving thanks to God. He even went as far as even telling them that when you eat and you are satisfied, give thanks to the Lord. That could be found in verse 10. Another place that Moses tried to encourage or, you know, or to, to like stir up the people to thanksgiving is also in the book, in that same scripture, in verse 12. That's in another scripture. It says, and that verse 12 says, when you eat and you are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down. You see, the problem with a number of us is that we have settled down. We are used to, we've been used to, we've been so enthusiastic about the things of God. But now we have settled down. And Moses seemed to be telling them, he says, when you have settled down, don't forget God. A number of us, are, we have settled down into our good jobs. We have settled down into that new home. We have settled down with that new wife. You know, we have settled down in Canada, yes, you know, some people will say, my pepe has rest. You know, <laughs> my pepe don't rest. You have settled down. You've come to Canada. But the truth is that I don't want to be settled. I don't want to be settled or be satisfied, you know, in 
you know, by, by the things that God has given to me. No, I don't want to be settled. I need a hunger for God. I want to stay hungry and thirsty for this, our Father. Have you ever seen a person that is so hungry? Have you ever had a visitor that came to your house and the person is so hungry? And you put a food on the table. How did the person eat that food? Does the person just take the, the fork and be eating? You know, eating? you know, when you are doing pleasure eating or you are, you are just uh, taking a drink, when you are not really thirsty, you just be sipping it and at times you fold your leg and be sipping. But have you ever had a visitor that is hungry, just coming from the sun or from hard work? The difference is clear. And yet God wants us to be today. God wants us to have a test, a hunger for the things of God. Have we settled into the things that are so comfortable for us that we have left, you know, the hunger, the test for God? May God restore it for us today in the mighty name of Jesus. Tell your neighbor, stay hungry. Stay thirsty for the things of God in the mighty name of Jesus. So the children of Israel, we are in this kind of category, we are, we are in this situation where they, were, where they had settled, you know, they had settled where God took them through various things in the wilderness. They did not have to, they were so comfortable, you know, they didn't have to buy clothes. The Bible says that their clothes did not got stone on their bodies. They didn't, their shoes did not wear out. As a matter of fact, they were changing accommodation like nothing, like no man's business, like some of us do right now when there's a pay raise, we try to think of the next accommodation. When I told my husband that we needed to change, he said, my dear, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the children of Israel, as the cloud of glory was visiting them, was moving from place to place. They were changing tents. It could be likened to our own accommodation these days. As God is visiting us, as the glory of God is appearing to us, as the cloud of glory is moving us, we are changing lifestyles. We are changing new jobs. That was exactly what happened to the children of Israel, that they became so comfortable. They became so comfortable at the provision of God. They became so comfortable to the extent that Anytime God did not do anything for them, they got discouraged. Every little thing discouraged them. When there was no water, they got discouraged. They began to murmur. And of course, God brought out water from the rock. When there was no bread, they became discouraged. And God brought down manna. When there was no meat, they were grumbling. I wish I was in Egypt eating cucumber and garlic. Tell me, cucumber and garlic, is it better than meat? Praise the Lord. God provided quiz for them. So, because they were just, you know, getting discouraged, this, up to the extent that even they got discouraged about the way. If you read the book of um, Numbers chapter 21 verse 4. Numbers 21 verse 4 says, And the soul of the people were discouraged because of the way. Didn't they know that the Christian way is not an easy road? They got discouraged because of the way. The Christian way is not an easy road. Even Jesus himself told us. He told us that the way, he says, is very narrow. He said, it's not broad. It's narrow. He told us himself. He warned us himself in the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He says, if any man must follow me, 
He has to give up his own way. Take up his cross daily and follow me. In another scripture, in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, he said, if any man must follow me, he has to leave his father and his mother. Hmm. In the Christian life, there are rules and regulations. It is not easy. You know, in those days when we were, we were young, we used to hear this song that, all these songs that say, it's not an easy road. We are traveling to hell. How many people were born then? <laughs> you know? So that, those kind of songs put a consciousness in us that we are going somewhere. The songs you hear these days are, hey, oh, ha. You don't even know what they are talking about. <laughs> May God have mercy on us in the name of Jesus. It's not an easy road. There are rules. There are regulations. That's why in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 2, it says, for the law of, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there is no lawlessness in Christianity. As you are living the law of sin and death, you are entering into what? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So no lawlessness in the things of God. We got to be prepared, amen? We got to be prepared for this Christian race. The Christian race is not a joke. But you know what? The, 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 the power of God, the grace of God is sufficient for us in the name of Jesus. So that was why even when we were reading that scripture that we read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says copper. You know, I told you, I say it's not found, you know. It says you have to dig deep. It's not just found on the hills. As Christians, you have to dig deep into the word of God to be able to bring out the mind of God for your life. What is God saying about my life? At this point in time, in this season, God is definitely speaking something to you. There are coppers in this land. And I'm not just talking about physical coppers, even goodies of this land. But we need to dig deep. Amen? God is not found in the surface. So stop getting discouraged about every little thing. I couldn't pay my bills. You are discouraged. Somebody looked at you somehow in church. You are discouraged. You are leaving church. Your daughter talks to you really, you are angry, you are discouraged. So many things. Don't get discouraged. You are not the children of Israel. And that scripture was read, written for us so that we can learn. It can be an example for us. Don't get discouraged over little things and you begin to get angry at God. Or you be to, begin to get angry at people. Stop getting discouraged. Be grateful and thankful for, to God for everything. And you know what? Gratitude simply just means appreciating God and others by saying thank you. And gratitude is not just by you saying thank you alone. It's also an attitude. Amen? Amen. One of the reasons why a number of us find it very difficult to give thanks is because we compare ourselves with ourselves. And yet in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he says that he who compares himself with himself is not wise. True that is that people may have better houses than you, of course. Better cars, yeah. Better jobs. But you have no idea what they are going through. So that's why I want to encourage young people, even adults. Don't live your life according to social media with what you see. And so it's pushing you. You want to be like them. You have no idea what those people are passing through. Your happiness... It's not in the lot of things that you have. 
But in the way that you make the most of the things that you have, that is where the happiness lies. So don't begin to compare yourself with anybody. Thank God for your life and appreciate God for what he's doing in your life every step of the way in the name of Jesus. So I say gratitude is not just saying thanks alone. It's acknowledging God in everything that you do. Gratitude is not only to God, it's also to man. Are you very grateful to people that are around you? Are you thankful? Do you show gratitude when people do things for you? Do you appreciate people or you are always finding fault in people? May God help us in the name of Jesus. So the big question, why do we give thanks to God? Why do we give thanks to God? The reason why we should be most grateful to our Father, you know, number one, when you are grateful to God, he will do more for you. Even Jesus, every miracle that he performed, before he performed that miracle, we always look up to heaven and say, I want to thank you, God. Jesus himself knew the principle of giving thanks. So we must also learn that principle so that God can continue to do more for us. Amen? Amen. We give thanks to God because he gives us victory. How many of us are victorious people here this morning? Woo! I trust you shout louder than that. How many of us are victorious people? Woo! Hallelujah. He gives us victory. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Blessed be the Lord who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. We are triumphant people. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Why do we give thanks to God? Because God gave us life. Have you ever thought of the fact that not everybody that started this year is alive today? But just look at you, your life, looking so radiant, sitting in the presence of God, aren't we blessed? And Psalm 131 from 13 to 14 says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full way. How many of you know that full way? You are persuaded that the work of God, that you are wonderfully and, and perfectly made. You are made in the name of Jesus. Why do we give thanks to God? For roof over our heads, for food on our tables, for clothes on our bodies. We give thanks to God for all the good things that he has done for us. So when you give thanks to God, are there benefits for giving thanks? Psalm 118 verse 1. Psalm 118 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. So that's an enduring relationship. So when you give thanks to God, it helps you. It creates an enduring relationship with God. And it even helps you to create a better relationship even with people, with your loved ones. You know, so don't take your loved ones for granted. Always give, appreciate them. How about if we are not grateful? When you are not grateful, what happens? And I put here that God is angry because it's just clear. Ungrateful people are never appreciative of the things that you do for them. They always take things for granted. Never take anything for granted. Don't take your standing here for granted. It's a miracle. Even when you do something small for them, they act as if it's not a big deal. 
God is always angry with them. Have you ever heard people who say, Lord, I thank you for your little mercies. And I'm wondering, when has the mercies of God become little? There is no mercy of God that is little. So we must not take anything for granted. God is always angry with them. In Numbers chapter 21, 4b to 5, he says, But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Is, there is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Ungrateful people we always speak against God and people. When you find yourself always talking against people, backbiting, talking, getting angry to God, you know you are just ungrateful. That's the only word to summarize it. So are there examples of people who we are not grateful to God? Second Chronicles chapter 32 from 24 to 25. He says, in those days, Hezekiah was stricken with a terminal illness. He prayed to the Lord, who answered him and gave him sign, concerning that, that he would be healed. He says, but when Hezekiah was, he said, but Hezekiah was ungrateful. He had a proud attitude, provoking God to anger as well as Judah and Jerusalem. So when we are ungrateful, God is angry. He's not happy. The children of Israel, another example of, ungr of ungrateful people, they were not grateful for the things that God did for them. They were always complaining. Their attitude in verse 6 of Numbers chapter 21. We can flash it this way. Numbers chapter 21. Offended God and as a result, it says, then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They beat the people and many Israelites died. May God not send snakes at us in the name of Jesus. Amen. In our days, it may not be physical snakes. It may just be things that you cannot even place your hand on. It could just be a, sick, a sickness that just suffers that you cannot place your hand on. It could just be an attack on your finances. Because they were always discouraged, they spoke against God, and they also spoke against Moses, their leader. Be careful of what you say about your leaders. I'm not even saying about leader in throne of grace alone. I'm even talking, there are some of us, when we see leaders on the, on the TV, you know, we condemn them, we criticize them, you know, we talk down at them. Some of us are even bloggers. We blog things about leaders. You know, we just have to be careful because there are snakes waiting. May that not be our portion in the name of Jesus. So, ungrateful people do not only speak against God, they also extend it to man. So when you see people who are discouraged in, ch in church, people who are just ungrateful in church, it's because that ingratitude is extending because they're not happy with God. So when you see people behaving in a strange way at you, just so that it's not coming from them. It started from ingratitude. May God help us in the name of Jesus. So they said, our soul loved for bread. They described the bread of God as light and miserable. What they were indirectly saying was that, Lord, this your bread is light. It's not heavy weight. 
they concluded that the bread is so light. You know, there are times when we indirectly tell God that what you have given to me is so light. We do not even say it. When we see other people, we say, ah, this your car is heavy. Oh. Hey, this your cloth is heavy. What are you indirectly saying? Is it that oh, my own is light? Or my own car is light? So we, we just have to be very careful. Amen? They describe the things of God as light. God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. May we not take the blessings of God light in the mighty name of Jesus. May we be appreciative people who will always give God thanks and praise in the name of Jesus. And so because God was angry with them, like I said, he sent snakes. Note that scripture. He said, and the Lord sent. Those snakes were sent. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 14, where we read before, you know, Maybe we should flash Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 14. Or oh, I just read it here. Okay. It says, Then your heart will become proud, and you will not forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Continue. He led you through the vast and the dreadful wilderness that tasted and waterless land. That tasteless and waterless land. With his what? Venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. So you see that there were snakes even in the wilderness while they were traveling. So, so long as they didn't speak against God, so long as they didn't grumble, so long as they didn't curse God, those snakes were just there. They were passing. God was bringing water out of the rock even in the wilderness where there were snakes. But this particular one, God had to send snakes to them. The snakes were sent. May God not send snakes to us in the name of Jesus. So anytime we begin to speak against God, we begin to take the things of God lightly, you know? Snakes. Tell your neighbor, not yours. So have you wondered why things are just happening in your life of late that you cannot place your hand on? You know, um, God was talking about Paul in the scriptures. You know, when he was praying for the infirmity to be taken away. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Even though there was infirmity, I'm not going to take it away. My grace is sufficient for you. And that's exactly what happened in this place. So those snakes were there. But God did not remove those snakes. He still left them. So as many as are going through one situation or the other in your life, and you have been praying, you have been fasting, yet nothing is changing. Have you ever thought of the fact that God must have sent those things there into my life? And have you sat down to think, Lord, where am I missing it? Am I giving you gratitude enough? Am I thanking you enough? Have you wondered why those snakes did not bite Moses or Joshua or Aaron? They were only sent to people who do not have the mouth of gratitude. The people came to Moses and now said, we have sinned against the Lord and against you, Moses. They told Moses to pray for them that the snakes will be taken away. If you read further in that scriptures, you will see how they came to Moses and said, we have really sinned against God. We have sinned against you, Moses. Do you go to people and say, I've sinned against you when you offend them? And say, 
forgive him. They went to Moses. But the irony of it is that the people came to Moses and told Moses, say, we have sinned against the Lord and against you, Moses. He said, pray that these snakes will be taken away. Why are they asking that the snakes will be taken away? Why didn't they rather deal with the, the, the issue of sin, of the issue of ingratitude, of the issue of talking to God, you know, abusing and insulting God, of the issue of that backbiting, of talking against Moses, of the issue, that, the sinful nature. Why are they not take, you know, asking God to take it away? Why the snakes? Those snakes are consequences for sin. And the truth of the matter is that if we don't deal with the issue of sin in our lives, those consequences are there that we fight back at us. There are consequences. Yeah. A lot of them. You cannot afford as a child of God. You cannot afford to be committing fornication and ask God, Lord, I don't want to remove the pregnancy. No. God is not going to remove those snakes. The pregnancy is there. Deal with the issue of sin. You cannot afford as a man to be sleeping with other women, committing adultery, and expect that you'll be living right, your finances to be good. No, there are consequences. You cannot afford as a man to be beating your wife at home and coming to church and pretending that you are serving the Lord. Nobody knows. There are consequences. Snakes are there. May not attack us in the name of Jesus. As a woman, you cannot be rude and abusing your husband. And expecting your husband not to slap you. I am not saying men, you should be slapping your wives. <laughs> Deal with that issue of your mouth. Or some of us, we are denying our husbands of sex. That is manipulation, witchcraft. And you are saying to yourself, oh, let, it doesn't matter. Let, if it goes and commit fornication, God will hold you responsible. Deal with that issue of sin. Amen. Repent and come back to God. Amen. Amen. Many of us, we are dealing with addictions. We are smoking, you know. These are the days where marijuana, when you are just driving, it's just on the streets. And our government has legalized it. Are we praying? Are we, are we overturning that law? That, as a result, our, our youth, our teenagers, they are all taking marijuana. Some of them are getting that. Even the men, the women. Oh my God. We, we were counseling a couple lately, my husband and I. And one of the, the, the things that the, 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 they were saying, the woman was smoking. And I'm not just talking of a, a congregation member. I'm talking of a, 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 a what's it called? A worker. May God have mercy. I'm not judging anybody, but the truth is that we, are, we have to deal with that issue of sin and not the consequences because those consequences are there. God is not going to take it away as long as we don't ask God for his mercy. The Bible says that if we sin, we have an advocate in God. We can always come back to God and say, Lord, I need your help. He says it's a very present help in times of, of you know, in times of need. God is always there. He understands our frame. I know you're falling into sin. I know that you're, you're struggling. But he understands your frame. You cannot say, I'm going to deal with it myself. No. Ask for help. And as many as we ask for help, God will give you help in the name of Jesus. 
So, like I said, in verse 8, and the Lord said to Moses, you know, our God is so good. He's so wonderful. He loves us with an everlasting love. Despite all they are speaking against him, cursing him, he made a solution. In verse 8 of that scripture, he says, and the Lord said to Moses, make a solution. Make a pole. And anyone that is beaten by the snakes and look up to, you know, on that pole. Meaning that when you take your focus away from the snakes, you are going to be saved. You know what the Bible says? Even as Moses lifted up the snake and the serpent, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. So as God made a solution, but he still left the snakes. Why didn't he just kill those snakes and don't tell Moses to erect a pole? And the pole that Moses was going to erect was he was going to have a, bros, a brazen serpent, not the real serpent, not the life one, the one that was made from the brass. And yes, the physical snakes were still around beating people. He could have just removed those physical snakes. He said, no. He says, rather, focus on the brazen serpent. Don't put your focus on that biting snakes. John chapter 3 verse 14 says, as Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, even so shall the son of man be lifted up, so that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Recall that I started this message by saying that gratitude is not a natural thing. It's not a normal thing. You have to practice it. So gratitude without practice is like faith without works. Now God wants to build the faith of the children of Israel again. He was going to teach them how to practice faith because they missed it. And what did he say? He says, even though the snakes on the pole was a, it was a brazen serpent, was not a living thing, but what God was indirectly telling them, God was indirectly telling them that don't focus on the physical snakes. Focus on me. Focus on the snake on the cross. Build your faith because it takes faith, you know, for snakes to be going around and you are ignoring those snakes. Probably they are even climbing your legs and you are ignoring them. Rather, you are looking up to the pole. It takes faith. That was foolishness. And the Bible says that to the, you know, to the, the things of God is like foolishness to them that perish. When God gives us instruction at times, it looks so foolish. It doesn't, look, it doesn't make any sense naturally. But God is saying, remove your focus for those things and focus on me. This morning, God is telling us, don't focus on the biting economy. Don't focus on your biting account, bank account, or the rising or cost of gas, house prices. He said, put, it doesn't make sense when you want to buy a property, and this is the amount you have. But God is saying, don't focus on that. Focus on Jesus. Amen. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. So when you are focused on God, you will know that God has needs also. It's because we so much focus on ourselves that we forget to focus on the needs of God. So this morning, I'm telling us about practicing gratitude. And how do you focus on the needs of God? You know, they tell us, especially couples, um, people who, uh, who do all this couple show, and they, they tell us, they say, couples have love languages, right? 
They always tell us to discover the love language of our, of our spouses. Do you know that God has love language also? Have you ever bothered to discover what is God's language? What is God's love language? So what God, so what we are indirectly saying is for you to fulfill God's love language, you have to employ gratitude in your heart. So gratitude, God's love language is practicing gratitude. That's one of it. So how do we practice gratitude? Number one, I say singing back to God. Singing back to God. We need to sing back to God because God sings to us on a daily basis. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17. Zephaniah 3 17 says, The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. But we rejoice over you with what? Singing. So God is rejoicing over you. He's singing over you. He just loves you. And you need to reciprocate back that love. You need to sing back to him. Amen? He wants us to sing back to him. That's why in the book of Psalm 147 verse 7, it says, Sing to the Lord with, a grateful, with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. So God wants you to reciprocate back his love, his song, his love song to you. And that is true gratitude, amen? That is true giving thanks to God. That is true praising him. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, through hymns, through spiritual song, from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So you need to sing to God with gratitude in your heart. Then Psalm 95, 2-3 says, Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, the great king above all gods. Amen. Amen. Secondly, say out his blessings. Not just sing back to him, but say out his blessings. Some of us will say, but Lord sees my heart. I don't need to vocalize it. God knows that I really love him. Or at times when we are talking to one another, you say, you know I like you. Know I like you now. I am not a witch. How do I know? <laughs> I cannot see your heart. Except you tell me, I will not know. Amen? God wants you to vocalize it. That's why in the book of Psalm 107, 2-3, he says, let the redeem of the Lord say so. Are there redeemed people in the house this morning? Can we say so? So if you like people, say so. Just tell them. Don't say, if I tell, if I tell them, they, their head will be swelling. There are some husbands. You'd rather go and buy gifts. Now tell your wife I love you. So husbands right now, look to your wife, look to your son and say, I love you. Vocalize it. Look for your wife, look for your wife, look for your wife. Tell your wife I love you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if your wife and your husband is not here, look to your neighbor and say, I love you. <laughs> okay. I love you too. Hallelujah. 
So, um, the, the last but not the least among how we can um, show God that we love him, discover his love language, is remembering the Lord. You cannot afford to forget. Don't forget the Lord. A number of us, we leave our countries, we come to a new place, and we forget God altogether. We do as if we, we don't even know God from Adam. It's more or less like telling, like Peter, that says, oh, I don't know this man. But it's just that we are not saying it. Our action is saying it. A number of us are so, we are, we, we, we are so involved in the things of God back home. You come, you forget God. You are so involved. Now you just start pushing work, 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 work. You walk throughout the clock. I'm not saying we shouldn't walk. But remember your first love. Amen? Amen. Don't forget God. Look to your neighbor and say, don't forget God. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 17 says, God does not want us to forget us. That's why I said, remember the Lord your God. Amen? Amen? So if you practice these things, you will grow in the habit of gratitude. Amen? Amen? Now let's put this into practice. Let's put it into perspective. Let's go back to our original text in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 10. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 10. It says, when you have eaten and satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. So this morning, lift up your voice and praise the Lord for the good, for whatever. Praise the Lord for the. What is it that you are praising the Lord for the? For the. Now lift up your voice and praise God for the food. That he has given to you. Lift up your voice and thank God for the clothes on your body. Just begin to appreciate God for the husband that you have. Thank God. Thank God for the wife that he has given to you. Thank God for the car. For the... He says, remember the Lord your God. For the peace of mind. For the good health. For the sound mind. Go ahead, go ahead. Don't stop thanking God. Thank God the psalmist says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Can we take that song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. I think it's a hymn. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings. And it will surprise you what the Lord has. Count your blessings. Count your Can we be on our feet as we begin to count our blessings? Begin to count your blessings. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Make them one by Yeah. 
give opportunity to those who are yet to give their lives to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Hear what the Lord has to say about you. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 12. He said, therefore, go and give this message to the house of throne of grace. This is what the Lord says. All people of throne of grace, my faithless people, come home to me again for I am merciful. I will not be angry with you forever. Only acknowledge your gift. Ask God. Say, only acknowledge your gift. So this morning, just ask God for mercy. Ask God for forgiveness and focus on God rather than on those your problems. Go ahead and for those of us who are even giving our lives to Christ, but you know that when it comes to gratitude, you have not been practicing gratitude. I want you to just begin to lift up your voice and say, Father, let your mercy avail on my behalf in the mighty name of Jesus. What is biting you on the ground can be powerless because you can begin to trend upon snakes and scorpions when you give your life to Christ and nothing by any means will hurt you in the mighty name of Jesus. So if you are there, if you are watching me online and you, you've just made that commitment, can you just pray this prayer with me? Just say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for your love over my life. I ask that you come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, receive me, O Lord. Write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. If you have just prayed that prayer today, trust me, your life will never remain the same in the name of Jesus. Let's just lift up our voice and say, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word today. Thank you because your word is like a seed that has been sown. We pray that the power of your word will begin to germinate in our hearts in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask, oh God, that your, your word will fall on fertile ground, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let there be total transformation by your word. Let there be deliverance. The Bible says you send forth your word, and your word delivers us from our destruction. As many, oh God, has, have contacted one sickness or one disease, my father, or one thing in their finances that is affecting them as a result of ingratitude, I speak for healing right now in the name of Jesus. I say receive the healing of Christ in the mighty name of Jesus. I say you are totally released. You are set free from every shackle of the devil in the mighty name of Jesus. As many as are battling with addictions, in the mighty name of Jesus, I speak for to you. I declare that you are totally released in the name of Jesus. Shall the prayer of the mighty be delivered or the lawful captive set free? He says, yes, even the prayer of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with those who contend with you and I will deliver your children. Father, I decree it shall be so. There is deliverance for everyone here today that have walked away from you, O Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's word and we believe you have been blessed. For further information, please visit our website at www.throneofgracecanada.ca or send us an email to info at throneofgracecanada.ca The word works. Throne of Grace. Transforming lives. Establishing His kingdom.